Hi, everyone. This is Stephanie with Women Who Secure. Today's guest is Tia, and she is currently a cybersecurity engineer. Tia, thank you so much for being here. I know it's been a bit busy on your end and my end, <laughs> so we haven't had time to like discuss. But yeah, thank you for being here, and I can't wait to dive in. Yeah, thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate it. How's life going? Life is chaotic. I have a seven-month-old and a four-year-old, so constantly getting sick, like I said, and daycare and all that. Um, but I am currently a cybersecurity engineer for a cybersecurity company. I work with the SOC, supporting the analysts, working with data uh, ingestion into the seam, supporting different environments. Uh, I guess to break it down, my job is basically to make the SOC analyst's job easier. Um, and then outside of work, I'm working on a master's degree program with uh, SANS Technology Institute. So I'm currently working on the instant handler certification. Oh my gosh, that's exciting. SANS is a really good known organization for the masters and certifications. What kind of made you do that? Uh, well, so I have the GI Bill. Uh, so the education, you know, fortunately for me is, is covered through, through my military um, and I did feel like it was one of the best programs. I looked at a couple different ones for cybersecurity and there's, there's some great ones out there, but uh, I just felt like the SANS kind of is the best of the both worlds. You know, you get the, the certifications and then you also get the degree as well. Mm. So I, I like the program so far. Yeah, that's amazing. When you end the program, what certification do you end up getting? I believe the end, like the, their capstone is the GSE, the Certified Security Expert, I believe. So oh, okay. I don't know. That's far away from now. I'm yeah. scared. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. Um, and your so you have a military background, um, and your current role really sounds amazing. That you being a security engineer and just making the life easier for SOC analysts. So you're not in the SOC. No, I I don't. Uh, you know, handle the tickets and handle the um the round of the, the cases clock. and whatnot. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Right. Okay. So your, your department, if, if you could ideally label your, your department and team that you're in, what would that be called? Well, right now we call it the SOC data team. So it's, it's okay. kind of on the side of it. Uh, we really do involve ourselves within the SOC. And then I also handle um, kind of the public sector team, uh, which is kind of understanding all of the certifications, like the standard requirements for the SOC to uphold and our data ingestion requirements, and then uh, also handle those audits, so. Nice, do you like it? I do, and I really like the company as well. I mean, it's it was kind of the dream job for me. I actually started the job while I was on, um, technically supposed to be on maternity leave, and so I actually oh, had wow. to end it. I had to end it early and go back to work, but it was definitely worth it for this job. I had a few questions just like regarding my future. And I love that you have the experience for maternity leave with the company because I've read some policies where companies can terminate you in the middle of your maternity leave. And there's some that don't. And like, you have to read the fine print. Have you ever heard of that? I've heard of kind of companies trying to find loopholes to kind of discriminate against uh, pregnant people. I've heard of companies that kind of don't really offer anything beyond unpaid maternity leave, just the state benefits, the bare minimum. And, and then unfortunately wow. in the U.S., we don't have, you know, a standardized maternity leave for, for everyone. So 
it's really about finding the right company for you. And luckily the companies that I've been at so far have been really great about maternity leave and supporting women through that, through that journey of becoming a parent. That's a good point, Tia. It brings me back to how did you get started? and everything. Yeah. So I got started in cybersecurity kind of by accident. I, um, (laughs) I was trying to get to a skill bridge program, which for anybody that doesn't know what that is, uh, within six months of transitioning out of the military, you can do some sort of, uh, internship or some education program where you're, you're still in the military yet you're working somewhere else or you're being educated somewhere else. Um, and so I was picked up by a company and they offered me two different internships. I interviewed with uh, two different people. They said project management or data security, cybersecurity, but more specifically data security. And I molded over, I picked data security and I I really haven't looked back since it was, it was a, thank God (laughs) I picked the right one. So this was during the military. Yes. So I did a four month internship about, and then they offered me a full-time position right as I left. And this was right at the beginning of COVID as well. So it was really scary. Can we kind of level set back to, if if you're open to discussing why you chose to get into the military and what you did, what branch were you in and how long? Yeah. So I was in the Navy for about three and a half years. Uh, I left because of my, my son. I had my son while I was in and, um, as a single parent, I would have had to kind of give my son to someone else while I was deploying. And that was something that I felt I didn't want to do. You know, I, um, that was hard for me to even think about. So I decided to separate, um, in the, uh, the reason why I joined the military at first was, uh, kind of my, my dad was in the military and so was my grandfather. So I was definitely like a legacy. It was the idea was always there in my head, but I didn't really want to go to traditional college right after high school. Um, I was kind of, you know, working in restaurants and I didn't really have a, a good grasp of what I wanted to do. And so I kind of let the military figure that out for me. Um, and so I was a fire controlman, which is kind of like a weapons technician. In the three and a half years you were at the Navy and you did the skill bridge, was that during the three and a half years you did your yes. internship? Okay. Yes. Okay. And then cool. right as I, as I was leaving, they offered me the position. So I started, I think like maybe a week or two right after I left the military, but they had already known me for four months. Oh, gotcha. And yeah. How was that first internship? That's cool. It was, it was really interesting. You know, my, my manager was great. Cause you know, I had no cybersecurity experience. I was yeah. working on a, I was working on a computer science degree, but my manager started to give me kind of tasks to think about, think about being secure. Uh, so long, longer passwords and multi-factor authentication. And if you download an application or extension off of Google Chrome, is that secure? How do you know? Things like that, that kind of started to get me thinking about cybersecurity when it wasn't really anything that I, that I had even thought about at that point, not even in my computer science degree, did we even really get into cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. I love that you got interested and kind of introduced to security with the exact fundamentals that everybody should really start out with. And, and even from like a personal security stance, you learn a lot in your first job in a, in a, career professional environment what uh what company was it with or kind of what what type of industry were you with as an intern I worked for a biopharmaceutical company at the time and I worked in their data security 
um, sector. Uh, and that was really creating classifications to protect proprietary data for the company just to make sure it's not being exfiltrated. So it was, I started in the endpoint. So the internship was four months. I worked for that part of the company for about a year and a half, almost two years. And then I was promoted to a different part of the company. Uh, and that job I stayed in for a little bit less than a year. And then I moved again. Wow. So you were with them for quite a while starting out. Yeah, a few years. I, I really enjoyed it. And plus, it's really scary to uh, kind of take the skills that you feel, especially if you have some sort of any sort of imposter syndrome or anxiety yep. or self-doubt. It's really hard to think, OK, I have skills. I have worth. Um, I'm going to take what I have and move to somewhere else that, so that someone else can see my worth. I almost felt so lucky to even be where I was at that I didn't deserve to look for more. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So when you spoke about you, you said you were working on a computer science degree. Uh, walk me through kind of what you obtain now based on education or any certifications. So I got my undergrad my, in computer science uh, at the end of 2020. Uh, I started at, right after that, I started, uh, working on some different certifications. So, uh, the GSEC, you know, security essentials, the, the fundamentals, uh, I also have the defense analyst certification cause that was really working with the seam and which, which I was immediately doing. Um, and so that was another one for me that I wanted to get right away. And then right now I'm working on the GCIH. Yeah. Were you working on school during your internship? I'm sorry. I'm trying to base everything together on timeline. Yes, I was. Wow. I, yeah. I worked on it when I became, before I became a mother, when I became a mother, <laughs> I was staying up super late, um, trying to finish assignments and submit things. My, my parents were also a really great help at that point, uh, to help watch my son while I was completing assignments or anything like that. But man, <laughs> It was you got it done. Yeah, there's there's no excuse. You did it. It was a very stressful time. Uh, never underestimate the power of when you don't have a choice <laughs> to do something that you're going to do it and figure out a way. Yeah, that's inspiring. I think I think people today, you know, they always I mean, I could put myself in this example is, you know, I I always like prolong things or delay things and I'm just like such a procrastinator and I have really bad anxiety too when it comes to test taking so it's just like for our industry not only do do we kind of look at certifications or lab works or anything as a, a physical piece of you know basically what do you call it like um like it's not really a requirement, but it's a skill set that you need for to add to your to your resume or you know interviewing. But um, I love that. See, like I meet people like you, and you've done it through like everything. And I I can't imagine. I mean, I every I mean people who haven't done sands, I don't think they understand how rigorous it is, and very time consuming. I mean, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So yeah, props to you. I'm so proud of you for, for every accomplishment that you've really made. And, you know, that's why I want to do this podcast because it speaks to different types of, of women in the industry and people as well to really portray, you know, your, your experience. And not everybody starts off going to school for it and whatnot. But mm -hmm. I want to kind of piggyback on 
you said you went to school. What made you choose computer science? Honestly, you know, I have Asian parents and they just felt like engineering, software engineering is just the thing. And that's how you get a job and that's how you make money. And at the time I was pregnant with my son and I was freaking out. I'm not, <laughs> not going to lie. I was freaking out. I was on WIC at the time, uh, which is the, the government support for okay. mothers and children. Uh, and I was, I had, was on food stamps and I was very poor. Um, the military wasn't, was, did not kick in with like their extra payment for dependents. And so mm. I was paying half of my full salary to rent and the rest of it, like I was shopping at the dollar tree for food. Um, and that scarcity made me think, I don't want to live like this. I don't want my kids to live like this. I don't want to live like this. And so I just, I just picked the the financially secure route, um, thinking it doesn't matter if I hate it. It's, it's just fine. It's whatever. Um, thinking that being a software engineer and coding was going to be kind of the route that I took and, you know, cybersecurity kind of picked me up and it's, (laughs) it, I happen to really enjoy it and it's a lot more fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've landed a really good role and it's a lot more interesting than just coding. (laughs) So luck, I mean, no offense to software engineers out there, but not my thing. <laughs> Try it and I'm just not good at it. I, I, I really, I would be a very yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I've done a few coding and it's just like, I, I can't stick to it. I think security is where it's at. Um, so after you did your internship and you worked there for a bit, how did you know when it was time to go to transition into your next journey and career? Well, first of all, the company that uh, interviewed me, that I applied for the role, uh, I couldn't believe that they wanted to interview me, to be honest. I, I have mega imposter syndrome for, for that because the company was very cool, cool, okay? And I just didn't <laughs> think that they would ever want to interview me or talk to me or, you know, I had applied for things and I kept getting rejections over and over. And I could just thought, okay, I just don't have an ex- enough experience right now. I just need to wait. And um, so the offer was just too good for me to pass up, but it was also um, the manager that I had at the time who is amazing. Um, he... I felt wasn't challenging me in the ways that I, I work best, I guess. So the company they have now, they kind of just toss me in it and just say, do it. Good luck. And I, for some reason that just works for me, but the, the manager that I had was more like kind of trying to like kind of hold hand, handhold me into things. And that was, you know, great for me because I didn't have a lot of experience, um, just a couple years, Uh, And I didn't have any experience with what he was trying to teach me, like the specific tools and things like that. But I found that when my, the manager that I have now just kind of tossed me into things, I was Mm -hmm. able to kind of figure it out. (laughs) Mm. Uh, Although stressful, I kind of, I guess, rise to the occasion, I suppose. Um, Right. Yeah. It's kind of like the computer science degree where, you know, if you have to make it work, if you have to do it you figure it out, you find the yeah. way. And I, for some reason that just works for me. Um, and so I, yeah, I mean, it was a great team, a great choice, a great company. I have no regrets. Are you, so you're at the company that you left the biopharmaceutical company for you're with them now. Yes. I'm still. With okay. Them. 
Okay. And you're doing, this is your role as a cybersecurity engineer. Yes. And when you were applying for the company that you're with now, walk me through the process of what ideal things you wanted in your position or your ideal company. So I was looking for something that was remote. And actually, now that I think about it, that was another reason why I left the previous company was because they were a little bit more old school and they wanted people to start coming back into the office. And my children, my son is vaccinated only one time now. um, And he's going to be vaccinated again. But at the time he wasn't. And my daughter obviously is not vaccinated. She's too young. Um, So that it was a lot of that kind of fear of COVID, but you know, my children get sick all the time. If it's not COVID, it's a, you know, a cough or a, right now it's, it was RSV and a double ear infection. And if I had to go commute to the office, I would have to take days off all the time. Mm. And, you know, not only that, but it, it, it does take up time, you know, commuting the role that I have now, what I was really looking for was the remote, the flexibility, because they're based in the West Coast. I wanted to make sure that how late was I working? You know, am I, am I mm. on a line until 6 p.m.? I can't do that. I got to pick up the kids. Um, so they're more of like a project based. So I can really kind of work whenever, um, including, you know, getting things done later in the evenings. Um, and then, you know, I can meet with people during the day. And I guess more more pay was probably one of the things for sure. Um, my daughter was was born and um, I was kind of looking for something that would, you know, compensate for the fact that inflation is happening. This, so I started yeah. this year. So inflation was already mm. like starting to rise. And my daughter, of course, and, you know, paying for two kids in daycare is not cheap. So I was really, I was, you know, was looking for something that paid a little better. Yeah. And it's fully remote. That's good. I'm glad that you found that. I have a really great question too. And you're okay if you don't want to answer. Did you negotiate at all for your first offer with this position? I did. I Oh, yay. (laughs) I'm very bad with that stuff. So when I first got hired for my first position out of the military, they offered me a number and I just said, that's more money than because I was on WIC at the time. Remember? So I was took it immediately. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll take anything really. A job is great. (laughs) Um, but this time around I did, and they did offer me, uh, they did offer me a significant amount more. Um, just, they came back with another offer and that was amazing for me because I was so worried that they were going to either drop the offer or say that I'm greedy or whatever. And they don't do that guys. (laughs) Yeah. How did you, how did you do that? How did you negotiate? Did you, did you get a discussion with the recruiter? Were you speaking it with the hiring manager? For those of that, like people are listening and looking to jump careers and, and women, especially, right. We get this all the time. How do we be assertive in an interview? How do we, how do we bring up a, um, a need for a higher compensation? So I would say, I mean, I would try and interview for multiple companies, have multiple offers and then say, Hey, like I got a better deal at this place. You know, what can you offer me? But in a nicer way, (laughs) um, you know, competing offers is always great leverage. Um, unfortunately I didn't have that going into this one. And again, this was my dream company. So I was like, I'll accept anything really. But I did try to come at the hiring manager. I said, Hey, could, is there any way you could get closer to this number? Oh, good. 
they had already drawn up a, a, an offer letter and they said, okay, well, let me speak with the hiring manager and then I'll get back to you. And they ended up offering me a little more and then they redid the uh, offer letter. And that was, I was amazed. <laughs> they said they really wanted me and all of those things. Um, nice things. Um, and I tried to remember that, you know, and this is for the podcast peoples, uh, when you get that deep into an interview, they have already invested time and money into you that they are going to be more flexible. You do have a little bit of an upper hand, um, when you're that far into the process. Yeah, I love that. That's a really great advice because I think people don't, don't realize once you get that far, what do they say? Like the ball is in your corner or the ball is in your court. <laughs> and yeah. it, it's, it's very true. It's like you, you have to play the cards. And I think just like you said, if it comes down to you choosing your dream company and taking what they offer, and then they don't come back with an offer, but you're still there. The, the worst you could get is a no, and you're still at the company. And then you could ask maybe an annual review because I, I look at it as they don't know you. They don't know how you're working yet. They don't know your work ethic. You have to sell yourself. Oh, I'm so proud of you. I'm really glad that you did that. And I'm glad that you're at a company that you really want to be at and you're, you're, in, you're enjoying it. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. How's your, how's your role right now? Talk, talk to me about, you said a few projects. I, I, you know, if somebody was to ask you maybe from a high level overview, but maybe technical as well. Um, yeah. How would you explain your, your role and your kind of day to day? So I'm purely, purely blue team. I, I don't really do a lot of any sort of other stuff. Um, but you know, learning, like endpoint detection and response, so EDR, um, any sort of endpoint really, but uh, Splunk uh, and different scenes. So those are event managers. So uh, understanding how data is ingested uh, and how it works through different OSs. So like how to ingest Linux data or Windows data or you know data from different applications. So how does like AWS data get ingested and how do you do that? Um, those are the different, things that I have to kind of one learn because initially I didn't know a lot about that and then um, do on a day-to-day. -day. Um, so we have a list of a couple hundred different products slash logs that we would want to ingest into our scene. And so kind of going through one by one, working with those different product teams and understanding where the data is located and how we're gonna get it into the events manager. Um, and then also tuning alerts, making sure that the seam is working correctly, because sometimes there are alert delays or issues with the data. So that's making this, the SOC analyst job easier as well. If they can't get the, the events, then they can't do their job. Um, so it's a lot of that. And then also on the public sector certification side, it's understanding how long we need to retain logs, um, where mm -hmm. to find the logs that they are auditing, um, and I, right now I'm working on how to make it easier for auditors to request audits and carry out their audits. Um, is there a way that I can make it so that they can just look at a dashboard and do it themselves? Mm. So I don't have to sit on the phone with them. Um, cause we, you know, manage different certifications. So sometimes I'm in audits, like a couple times a month, like a couple times a month with like hours of time gone. And sometimes they have follow-up requests, which take another couple hours. So how could I, kind of automate that process, make it easier. Um, and so that's a little bit of my day-to-day. -day. 
it sounds like you do a mix of a lot of things a hodgepodge when you're so it's from my perspective when you're speaking about the logs and everything with the sim and, and the sock analyst um the sock analysts are utilizing the sim mm-hmm. and then are you ingesting the data or kind of writing these detections for them uh, so i have not written an alert for the sock team that i'm on right now but i imagine that that would partly be my job um, if alerts are failing um okay. so for example um splunk has different universal forwarders that you download onto uh let's say if i wanted firewall logs you'd have to you know either use this log or or download a universal forwarder on something and have it forward logs to to the scene so sometimes that fails and i have to figure out why why is the data not coming in what is the issue is it a, an upgrade issue or is it a you know did they change something or something like that really just trying to kind of streamline all of the company's data do you find it difficult to work with others on a specific task or um, I know you're used to probably working with with other personalities and groups, especially from having that skill within the military. But do you ever find it difficult to to do a lot of these things? Um, like, is there a difference from where you started, where you came from, and now you're kind of comparing it to corporate lifestyle? Um, I would say the hardest thing for me is to work on tasks concurrently. Um, so in the military, it's very one track mind. Um, you do one thing, you see it through to the end, and then you get another task and you see it through to the end. And a lot of what I did in the military, so I'm not going to speak for everybody, but what I, a lot of what I did in the military was doing that one track mind of tasks. There was like a daily idea of tasks that you do them one by one. Uh, and you don't do more than what you're asked of. Um, a lot of the things that were beaten to us at boot camp was not going above and beyond, just doing mm. the job, seeing it through to the end, and then not, you know, just following the instruction and not doing anything else or anything more. Um, not trying to predict what somebody else is going to want next. Um, and then I find that that doesn't help uh, in uh, corporate life because you know you want to predict what the the, the your manager is going to ask for or want or what a customer is going to want from you. Um, you want to go above and beyond. You want to work on multiple different projects um, and then see them through to the end. That one's a little bit harder for me because if if I'm so I have ADHD, so a part of me is like when I'm focusing on one task, I am like zeroed in on that task that when I have to pick up the other one, I almost have to refresh my mind as to where I was at with that task because I didn't finish it um, because you're supposed to work. They're like long-term projects that you run um, against each other. Uh, so that, I would say that was the biggest challenge for me is working on multiple things at the same time. Yeah, I, I think that's still hard for me. <laughs> and, and, and that's that's what I always speak to with with other women on the podcast and people I've spoke to about cybersecurity, especially is it feels like you're just working on multiple projects now, just like you did in school with other, it's just a more serious way. Um, for those that are listening in and curious about how to even get started in the, in this industry, right? I think that's a very hot topic right now. What would be kind of your advice for somebody wanting to be in the field just like you and they had no experience or, or sometimes even, you know, they're still 
looking at what major they want to choose for school or if you even think that school is necessary (laughs) uh so I don't think school is necessary if you know what you want to do. So if Mm. I had known, you know, at 18, cybersecurity, that's it for me. You know, I've seen like kids before they graduate high school get their trio, the A plus, network plus, and security plus. That's amazing. You know, for me, I spent a few years very lost and that's why I joined the military. That's why I kind of, you know, I had a stint right after I graduated high school that I did pre-nursing and then, or uh, psychology for a little bit, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, So I wouldn't say college is necessary, but I would say, Mm -hmm. um, well, it's necessary for some things like certain jobs, but um, not for cybersecurity at all. You know, there's, there's a lot of opportunity to do things um, a different way, take a different path. You know, there's a lot of different pipelines opening up for like an internship to hire program. And that's amazing to me because when I was, when I was leaving the military, I had no idea about different skill bridge programs. Um, but now I see them popping up everywhere. Like Elastic has one and CrowdStrike had one. Um, like these big cybersecurity companies are now having skill bridge programs. And it, that gives somebody the experience, the foot in the door right there. They don't even need college. Um, so I would say my biggest piece of advice, and I actually even wrote some stuff down because I wanted to prepare. Oh, I love that. <laughs> is networking. And I, I, I know people are going to hate me for saying that because I think everybody says that. But um, my big break in cybersecurity came from my military um, getting to know my old chief. And he recommended me a program that helped me find the SkillBridge internship. So originally I was trying to get into the Microsoft Software and Systems Academy, uh, which is a software engineering um, transitional program for military Mm. veterans. Okay. Um, And I didn't get in because my leadership at the time didn't sign my paperwork in time. Mm. And so I, I, you know, was really disappointed and I didn't think that anything would come my way, but through my networking, I found the Skillbridge internship with this company that I ultimately left, but the, the first job that I had. Um, so I wanted to say for advice was to be flexible and not have a specific path, um, deviate with life. Um, I've heard the saying, when you have a plan, God laughs. Uh, everything that I have now wasn't like exactly how I pictured it going into it. You know, like I said, when I graduated high school, I wanted to be a psychologist. When I was in the military, I wanted to be a Navy lawyer. (laughs) When I was going through my undergrad, I thought I was going to be a software engineer. Um, You know, and getting out of the Navy, I thought I was going to do that Microsoft Academy. Um, You know, and I've deviated through life and ended up being very happy with where I am. Um, and if I'm not, I, I can change. I, it's never too early or too late to start something and then change as life changes or as your interests change. You know, right now I'm doing that data part of cybersecurity. And if I don't like it, I'm just going to figure out what I want to do next and start trying to learn and grab these resources because there's so many resources online to try and pivot into different parts of cybersecurity or anything that you're interested in. Um, So I think that would be my biggest piece of advice. You know, I've really tried to go with the flow in my life and it's, it's really worked out for me. And I'm, I truly believe that it'll work out for a lot of people. If they don't have a specific narrowed in idea of how they want their life to go, I feel like I've kind of just 
figured it out and it ended up being happier because of it. I completely agree with you. I mean, just like you said, everybody always says networking, but I think to a degree, right? I think that you have to be very consistent with it. You have to be adamant. You you use networking as your tool and, you know, there's, there's instances where I get a lot of questions and it's like, how do we network? How, how do you make a connection? Right. So if I message you on LinkedIn and I'm just like, Oh, Tia, I'm, I'm, I want to work at where you're working. Um, can you give me a reference? If I, if you don't know me at all, you're not, we don't have a connection. And I think that, you know, when we say networking, like, don't just say hi to people and that you want to work there, like make a connection with people because you never know where it's going to go. And I think it's very essential, just like you said, whether that be from the military or the internship or the first career, it it always matters about making the connection with people, but also staying in touch with them. I think it's building your community. I mean, we've connected on Instagram, right? And there's other, so many other people that really connect through social media, but also, you know, with your careers. I would say social media is a big one, being involved in the community that you want to be in. Um, and then also there are a lot of networking events, especially like now that everything is yeah. virtual. So I've attended the veterans and cybersecurity uh, virtual event. And I add people from LinkedIn on there and say, hey, I loved your talk, which is mm-hmm. an opening to say, I liked this about your talk or this really spoke to me, or I have a question about this. Um, so I do a lot of like networking events. I also attend the vets and tech one. Um, local events are great as well, but I don't have that flexibility as much because of being a parent. Um, but yeah, I would say a a lot of events, uh, whenever I interview with someone, even if I get rejected, I still add the recruiter on LinkedIn, uh, or the hiring manager. If I got that far into the interview and then ended up getting rejected, I still add them on LinkedIn, um, for either future jobs that I might be interested in or, um, I always follow up with hiring managers when I get a question wrong or something like that. I follow up and I email and say, hey, I got that question wrong and I looked it up and it was this and I actually didn't know that. So thank you. You know, Um, that in a way starts the connection of, you know, it's a lot more about who you are as a person and are you teachable? Are you are you um, motivated to learn more than what you actually know, especially when you're getting started, when you're just getting started in cybersecurity? So I think that that is really important as well is, you know, showing that you take initiative, even if you got rejected, even if, um, you know, you totally bombed the interview and got the question wrong, you know, following up and letting them know that you cared so much about, you know, getting that question wrong, that you looked it up, made sure you got it right. And then responded. It's, it's just all about that trying. Yeah. I love that advice. It's especially important when you brought up a great scenario as if you don't know the answer to a question in an interview, be honest with them, tell them that you don't know, follow up with them, give them the answer, do the research, even ask to Google things because not everybody's going to know anything, especially starting out. But even in our roles, like now, I mean, I, I don't know if you can relate, but like sometimes if I don't know anything and the team doesn't know either. We're going to Google it together. We're going to find out. Um, And we've spoke a little bit about imposter syndrome and not knowing or self-doubting. What 
what do you do now or what kind of helps when when you feel like you don't know it all or you don't have it all? I feel like sometimes it's really stressful looking at job applications because they always have this laundry list of qualifications or this dream list of everything that they want in a person. And apparently they are, you know, they'll accept entry-level pay, but they have five years of experience and um, (laughs) (laughs) are amazing at coding and they know everything about, you know, application security and the whole enterprise. They can do, you know, the endpoint and they can also do the infrastructure and all of that, you know, understanding that that's not me. Um, but here are all the things that I do offer and the things that I do know, and then the things that I'm willing to learn and then that I'm interested in. Um, but nobody in cybersecurity knows everything. And I have to remember, I have to remember that myself. You know, I always think, okay, everybody knows everything about cloud and I don't know everything about cloud, but it's okay. <laughs> you know, Googling is like the biggest thing, you know, nobody's going to remember that port is for this port uh, right, right. Off the top of the, right off the top of their head. It's about learning it. And then what you do with that information. Um, and that, that makes me a lot more comfortable. You know, my managers tell me that all the time that like, you know, when I have a problem, I spend hours Googling it. And that is, that's very comforting to know that even a senior security engineer or a manager of, you know, security, they still Google things all the time. Yeah, exactly. That's very true is when you have management or leadership, that really understands your role and even the field. I mean, cybersecurity is always growing. There's, if you look at where it was five years ago, completely different. Now we're going towards an era of new ransomware variants, new threats, new everything. And I think it's always just going to get more advanced from here. Like what's your perspective right now on the environment of how cybersecurity was maybe when you thought about it, like your ideal image of it as a woman, especially, and then kind of being in the role now. I felt like there was a lot more mountains to climb. Uh, I think one of my regrets is that I didn't learn a lot more about networking when I first got in, because that is something that comes up a lot. And I had to kind of go back and do my self-research. Uh, as a woman, I do feel still kind of the minority, um, especially as an Asian woman as well. We could just you know stack that on top of there, uh, being an Asian woman. But I also feel in a way that I have my own advantages in terms of what I offer, which is, um, you know, I can qualify for different different scholarships because um, there's a lot out there uh, in terms of trying to get diversity and trying to get um, cybersecurity numbers up for women. Um, and we still have a long way to go for sure. Yeah. Um, but luckily I am on teams that are very inclusive, pretty diverse. Uh, even though women are still the minority, it is a very diverse team. Um, That's good. And they're very respectful of our opinions. You know, I would hate to be, I've heard experiences where people get shut down just because they're a woman or mansplained or talked over. And I've never had any of those issues um, being in cybersecurity. Yeah, I love that. And I think we need to really refocus on the good and how much you've grown as a woman, how you've negotiated, how you've, you know, out came your first skill bridge, from the military background. Like I think all the accomplishments are are what people need to hear and not really like the negative side, even though, yes, it does happen. Like you said, the mansplaining, the the speaking over. And I mean, I've gone through that and I've gone through way worse from other, the opposite sex um, throughout my career. And I think that's kind of pivoted towards 
it happened, but let's keep it moving and let's kind of grow from it. Tia, thank you so much for your advice. Everything was really good. And I love speaking with you. I can't wait to, to keep up with you and see where you go out in the future. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Let's uh, connect on Instagram still. I Yes, we will. Thanks, Tia.